0: And welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one ritually pure page of Talmud every day. And I say ritually pure because our page today deals with these intricate, mysterious spaces between the pure and the impure, between Tuma and Tahara. And here to help us figure it all out is Rabbi Chaviva Nerdavid. She's the author of the newly published novel, Hope Valley. of it. hello. Hello. So let's jump right in. Explain to us, before we even talk a little bit about what goes on in today's DAF, take us a little bit into this world so intricate, so foreign to so many of us moderns of Tuma and Tara, of, of ritual purity and impurity.
1: In the Bible, in Leviticus, so we have this whole system of Tuma, which is ritual impurity, and Tara, which is ritual purity. This is a system where if someone came in contact with death, in all different kinds of forms, then they would have to kind of retreat from society. And there were different rituals that they needed to do. And one was washing with living waters, And another, if you came in contact with the corpse, Corpse, Tuma, then you had to have the ashes of a red heifer singled on you. That's, you know, very shortly what Tuma and Tara was about. And then you could kind of come back into the community and you could worship in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, and then later the temple in Beit HaMikdash.
0: And today's page, Yoma 14, kind of feeds right into this. Unpack for us the sort of mysteries, the theological and existential questions that this stuff raises for us.
1: So yes, I was especially attracted to this one passage on this stuff that deals with the ashes of the red heifer. The Gemara brings this, the ashes of the red heifer and is just perplexed by it, especially, well, because these ashes, while they purify, they make someone who is Tameh from corpse Tumah tahor. They also make the person who prepares the ashes to be sprinkled Tameh. So this is a paradox that the Gemara doesn't understand and tries to understand it with some of its usual logic kind of arguments, and then kind of throws up hands and brings a quote from Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. In Hebrew, it's, uh, All of this I tried to understand through wisdom. I told myself I would become wiser, but this remains out of reach. So, the context of this line in Kohelet is actually around the issue of Sadiq Viralo, someone who is a righteous person and bad things happen to them. So it's kind of the, the unfairness of the universe or human suffering, and that's what Kohelet is grappling with. And then there's this line, all of this I try to understand through wisdom. I told myself I would become wiser, but this remains out of reach. So it's very interesting that you know the, the Gemara takes this quote from Kohelet, And you might think, oh, the Gemara is taking it out of context. But for me, I really see these two passages as both kind of dealing with the same issue of dealing with the things that are kind of humanly impossible to understand. And both places, Kohelet and the Gemara, first start to try to understand it through the mind and then end up saying, oh, you know, this is something... We just don't understand. And I think that the Gemara kind of brings these two approaches, this sort of human nature, to try to make sense of the world. And the other option that then the Gemara poses and Kohelet too is to just kind of surrender to the mystery, to the fact that there are things that we just cannot understand, and especially things like mortality and suffering and the unfairness of the universe. The whole system of Tuma and Tala actually, I think a lot of people just don't really see the depth of it, which to me, is really a practice for death and really is about this idea of surrendering to the mystery because I think what it is really is this kind of way that we can play out these smaller deaths throughout our life as a kind of practice for the eventual final big death that we're all going to eventually experience. This is something in Buddhism, too, this idea of meditating on your death throughout your life. And I think Judaism has this, too, but we we
0: didn't realize it anymore. This very much ties into the theme of your novel, which is about two women. One is Palestinian Israeli, and one is is a Jewish Israeli. And, you know, they sort of meet in this valley that divides the moshav where one lives, and and the village where the other lives, and, and develop this deep friendship and one thing that ties them together, that they are both sick, right? One of them, I believe, has multiple sclerosis, am I correct? And the other, cancer? Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering, as we are talking about the daf, about the red heifer, about the purity and impurity, rituals that we can't understand, questions and issues and mysteries that lie behind the ability of the mind and and maybe open or available only to the heart – I was wondering if you would do us the honor of taking us away by reading us a little bit from this wonderful new novel.
1: Oh, Thank you. Yes, yeah, so there's these two women, Rabia, or Ruby is her nickname, and Tikta. They meet in this valley, and what ends up bonding them, really, a bunch of things. But one main thing is that, just like you said, that they're both dealing with illness. And there's this one scene that I'll read you from where um, Tikta reveals to Ruby that she has multiple sclerosis. And Ruby gives her this teaching that, she, that has helped her deal with her own cancer. The women are sitting and they're overlooking this valley. So I'll read to you. So Ruby says to Tikva, It's when you stop trying to swim against the current and just let it carry you instead. It's about learning to surrender to the flow instead of trying to grab onto rocks along the way. Ruby lifted a stone from the ground, tossed it up, and caught it. Because, in the end, you won't be able to hold on forever. Rocks are slippery, and no one has endless strength. Nothing is permanent. Everything is constantly in flux, even if we don't realize it or want to admit it. Even a rock gets worn away by water eventually. Surrendering to life or God, it's a human need if we want to prevent our own suffering. And then, um... This muezzin sounds from Ruby's Muslim village, and Ruby decides to do a prostration, and she invites Tikva to join her. The next time the muezzin called, Ruby folded Tikva's hand in hers, and she felt no resistance. Allahu Akbar, God is the most great. God is the most vast. God is all that is. She closed her eyes and asked for the strength to surrender. A strong, warm wind blew along her scalp and on her cheeks. She took a deep breath, letting the scent of life fill her nostrils. Life that would be in this very same spot long after both she and Tikva, and also Cain, that's Tikva's dog, were gone. Even the tree of hope would not last forever, but the flow would continue. Ruby lowered her face to the ground, Tikva's hand still warm in hers. Her eyes were closed but she knew Tikva was bowing along with her. She felt the energy of her own surrender flowing from her heart and through her arm, her hand, the tips of her fingers, into Tikva's fingers, her hand, her arm, and up into her heart. And for those few long minutes, there was no separation. I feel it, Ruby, Tikva whispered. I feel one with the flow. Thank you.
0: Rabbi Chaviva Ner David, What a beautiful and inspiring way to end our conversation. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Libowitz and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information go to tabletmag.com/ take one or email us at take at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at take one Dafyomi,